Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible 2 Samuel 6 The obscurity of the ark, during the reign of Saul, had been as great a grievance to Israel as the insults of the Philistines. David, having humbled the Philistines and mortified them in gratitude for that favor, and in pursuance of his designs for the public welfare, is here bringing up the ark to his own city, that it might be near him, and be an ornament and strength to his new foundation. Here is, 1. An attempt to do it, which failed and miscarried. The design was well laid, verses 1 and 2. But 1. They were guilty of an error in carrying it in a cart, verses 3 to 5. 2. They were punished for that error by the sudden, sudden death of Uzzah, verses 6 and 7, which was a great terror to David, verses 8 and 9, and put a stop to his proceedings, verses 10 and 11. 2. The great joy and satisfaction with which it was at last done, verses 12 to 15. And 1. The good understanding between David and his people, verses 17 to 19. 2. The uneasiness between David and his wife upon that occasion, verses 16 and 20 to 23. And, when we consider that the ark was both the token of God's presence and a type of Christ, we shall see that this story is very instructive. The Removal of the Ark, 1045 B.C. 1. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. 2. And David arose, and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah, to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. 4. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, and on psalteries, and on timbrels, and on cornets, and on cymbals. We have not heard a word of the ark since it was lodged in Kirjath-Jerim, immediately after its return out of its captivity among the Philistines, 1 Samuel 7 verses 1 and 2, except that, once Saul called for it, 1 Samuel 14 verse 18. That, that which in former days had made so great a figure is now thrown aside, as a neglected thing, for many years. And, if now the ark was for so many years in a house, let it not seem strange that we find the church so long in the wilderness, Revelation 12 verse 14. Perpetual visibility is no mark of the true church. God is graciously present with the souls of his people even when they want the external tokens of his presence. But now that David is settled in the throne the honor of the ark begins to revive, and Israel's care of it to flourish again, wherein also, no doubt, the good people among them had been careful, but they lacked opportunity. See Philippians 4 verse 10. 1. Here is honorable mention made of the ark. Because it had not been spoken of a great well, now that it is spoken of observe how it is described, verse 2 It is the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim, or at which the name, even the name of the Lord of hosts, was called upon, or upon which the name of the Lord of hosts was called, or because of which the name is proclaimed, the name of the Lord of hosts, that is, God was greatly magnified in the miracles done before the ark, or the ark of God, who is called the name, Leviticus 24 verses 11 and 16, the name of the Lord of hosts, sitting on the cherubim upon it. Let us learn hence, 1. To think and speak highly of God.
He is the name above every name, the Lord of hosts, that has all the creatures in heaven and earth at his command, and receives homage from them all, and yet is pleased to dwell between the cherub cherubim, over the propitiatory or mercy seat, graciously manifesting himself to his people, reconciled and a mediator, and ready to do them good. 2. To think and speak honorably of holy ordinances, which are to us, as the ark was to Israel, the tokens of God's presence, Matthew 28 verse 2, and the means of our communion with him, Psalm 27 verse 4. It is the honor of the ark that it is the ark of God, he is jealous for it, is magnified in it, his name is called upon it. The divine institution puts a beauty and grandeur upon holy ordinances, which otherwise have no form nor comeliness. Christ is our ark. In and by him God manifests his favor and communicates his grace to us, and accepts our adoration and addresses. 2. Here is an honorable attendance given to the ark upon the removal of it. Now at length, it is inquired after, David made the motion, 1 Chronicles 13 verses 1-3, and the heads of the congregation agreed to it, verse 4. All the chosen men of Israel are called together to grace the solemnity, to pay their respect to the ark, and to testify their joy in its restoration. The nobility and gentry, elders and officers, came to the number of 30,000, verse 1, and the generality of the common people besides, 1 Chronicles 13 verse 5, for, some, some think, it was done at one of the three great festivals. This would make a noble cavalcade, and would help to inspire the young people of the nation, who perhaps had scarcely heard of the ark, with a great veneration for it, for this was certainly a treasure of inestimable value which the king himself and all the great men waited upon, and were a guard to. 3. Here are great expressions of joy upon the removal of the ark, verse 5. David himself, and all that were with him that were musically inclined, made use of such instruments as they had to excite and express their rejoicing upon this occasion. It might well put them into a transport of joy to see the ark rise out of obscurity and move towards a public station. It is better to have the ark in a house than not at all, better in a house than a captive in Dagon's temple, but it is very desirable to have it in a tent pitched on purpose for it, where the resort to it may be more free and open. As secret worship is better the more secret it is, so public worship is better the more public it is, and we have reason to rejoice when restraints are taken off, and the ark of God finds welcome in the city of David, and has not only the protection and support, but the countenance and encouragement, of the civil powers, for joy of this they played before the Lord. Note, public joy must always be as before the Lord, with an eye to him and terminating in him, and must not degenerate into that which is carnal and sensual. Dr. Lightfoot supposes that, upon this occasion, David penned the 68th Psalm, because it begins with that, that ancient prayer of Moses at the removing of the ark, let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and notice is taken there, verse 25, of the singers and players on instruments that attended, and, verse 27, of the princes of several of the tribes, and perhaps those words in the last verse, O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places, were added upon occasion of the death of Uzzah. For here is an error that they were guilty of in this matter, that they carried the ark in a cart or carriage, whereas the priests should have carried it upon their shoulders. Verse 3. The Kohathites that had the charge of the ark had no wagons assigned them, because their service was to bear it upon their shoulders. Numbers 7 verse 9. The ark was no such heavy burden, but that they might, among them, have carried it as far as Mount Shown upon their shoulders, they needed not to put it in a cart like a common thing.
It was no excuse for them that the Philistines had done so and were not punished for it, they knew no better, nor had they any priests or Levites with them to undertake the carrying of it, better carry it in a cart than that any of Dagon's priests should carry it. Philistines may cart the ark with impunity, but if Israelites do so, they do it at their peril. And it mended the matter very little that it was a new cart, old or new, it was not what God had appointed. I wonder how so wise and good a man as David was, that conversed so much with the law of God, came to be guilty of such an oversight. We will charitably hope that it was because he was so extremely intent upon the substance of the service that he forgot to take care of this circumstance. Uzzah slain for touching the ark, the ark in the house of Obed-Edom, 1045 BC. 6 And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God, and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. 7 And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. 8 And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez-Uzzah to this day. 9 And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? 10 So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. 11 And the ark of the Lord continu continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. We have here as a struck dead for touching the ark, when it was upon its journey towards the city of David, a sad providence, which damped their mirth, stopped the progress of the ark, and for the present dispersed this great assembly, which had come together to attend it, and sent them home in a fright. 1. Uzzah's offense seems very small. He and his brother Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, in whose house the ark had long been lodged, having been used to attend it, to show their willingness to prefer the public benefit to their own private honor and advantage, undertook to drive the cart in which the ark was carried, this being perhaps the last service they were likely to do it, for others would be employed about it when it came to the city of David. Ahio went before, to clear the way, and, if need were, to lead the oxen. Uzzah followed close to the side of the cart. It happened that the oxen shook it, verse 6. The critics are not agreed about the signification of the original word, they stumbled, so our margin, they kicked, so some, perhaps, perhaps against the goad with which Uzzah drove them, they stuck in the mire by some. By some accident or other the ark was in danger of being overthrown. Uzzah thereupon laid hold of it, to save it from falling, we have reason to think with a very good intention, to preserve the reputation of the ark, and to prevent a bad omen. Yet this was his crime. Uzzah was a Levite, but priests only might touch the ark. The law was expressed concerning the Kohathites, that, though they were to carry the ark by the staves, yet they must not touch any holy thing, lest they die, Numbers 4 verse 15. Uzzah's long familiarity with the ark, and the constant attendance he had given to it, might occasion his presumption, but would not excuse it. 2. His punishment for this offense seems very great, Verse 7 The anger of the Lord was kindled against him, for in sacred things he is a jealous God, and he smote him there for his rashness, as the word is, and struck him dead upon the spot. There he sinned, and there he died, by the ark of God, even the mercy seat would not save him. Why was God thus severe with him? 1. The touching of the ark was forbidden to the Levites expressly under pain of death lest they die, and God, by this instance of severity, would show how he might justly have dealt with our first parents, 
when they had eaten that which was forbidden under the same penalty lest you die. 2. God saw the presumption and irreverence of Uzzah's heart. Perhaps he affected to show, before this great assembly, how bold he could make with the ark, having been so long acquainted with it. Familiarity, even with that which is most awful, is apt to breed contempt. 3. David afterwards owned that Uzzah died for an error they were all guilty of, which was carrying the ark in a cart. Because it was not carried on the Levite's shoulders, the Lord made that breach upon us, 1 Chronicles 15 verse 13. But Uzzah was singled out to be made an example, perhaps because he had been most forward in advising that way of conveyance, however he had fallen into another error which was occasioned by that. Perhaps the ark was not covered, as it should have been, with the covering of badger's skins, Numbers 4 verse 6, and that was a further provocation. 4. God would hereby strike an awe upon the thousands of Israel, would convince them that the ark was nevertheless venerable for its having been so long in mean circumstances, and thus he would teach them to rejoice with trembling, and always to treat holy things with reverence and holy fear. 5. God would hereby teach us that a good intention will not justify a bad action, it will not suffice to say of that which is ill done that it was well meant. He will let us know that he can and will secure his ark, and needs not any man's sin to help him to do it. 6. If it was so great a crime for one to lay hold on the Ark of the Covenant that had no right to do so, what is it for those to lay claim to the privileges of the covenant that come not up to the terms of it? To the wicked God says, What hast thou to do to take my covenant in thy mouth? Psalm 50 verse 16 Friend, how camest thou in hither? If the Ark was so sacred and not to be touched irreverently, what is the blood of the covenant? Hebrews 10 verse 29 3. David's feelings on the infliction of this stroke were keen, and perhaps not altogether as they should have been. He should have humbled himself under God's hand, confessed his error, acknowledged God's righteousness, and deprecated the further tokens of his displeasure, and then have gone on with the good work he had in hand. But we find, 1. He was displeased. It is not said because Uzzah had affronted God, but because God had made a breach upon Uzzah, verse 8 David's anger was kindled. It is the same word that is used for God's displeasure, verse 7. Because God was angry, David was angry and out of humor. As if God might not assert the honor of his ark and frown upon one that touched it rudely, without asking David leave. Shall mortal man pretend to be more just than God, arraign his proceedings, or charge him with iniquity? David did not now act like himself, like a man after God's own heart. It is not for us to be displeased at anything that God does, how unpleasing soever it is to us. The death of Uzzah was indeed an eclipse to the glory of a solemnity which David valued himself upon more than anything else, and might give birth to some speculations among those that were disaffected to him, as if God were departing from him too, but he ought nevertheless to have subscribed to the righteousness and wisdom of God in it, and not to have been displeased at it. When we lie under God's anger we must keep under our own. 2. He was afraid, verse 9. It should seem he was afraid with amazement, for he said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? As if God sought advantages against all that were about him, and was so extremely tender of his ark that there was no dealing with it, and therefore better for him to keep it at a distance. K. Prokel a Jove, Prokel a Fullman to retire from Jove is to retire from the thunderbolt. He should rather have said, Let the ark come to me 
and I will take warning by this to treat it with more reverence. Provoke me not, says God, Jeremiah 25 verse 6, and I will do you no hurt. Or this may be looked upon as a good use which David made of this tremendous judgment. He did not say, surely Uzzah was a sinner above all men, because he suffered such things, but is concerned for himself, as one conscious, not only of his own unworthiness of God's favor, but his obnoxiousness to God's displeasure. God might justly strike me dead as he did Uzzah. My flesh trembles for fear of thee, Psalm 119 verse 120. This God intends in his judgments that others may hear and fear. David therefore will not bring the ark into his own city, verse 10, till he is better prepared for its reception. 3. He took care to perpetuate the remembrance of this stroke by a new name he gave to the place, Perez Uzzah, the breach of Uzzah, verse 8. He had been lately triumphing in the breach made upon his enemies, and called the place Balperism, a place of breaches. But here is a breach upon his friends. When we see one breach, we should consider that we know not where the next will be. The memorial of this stroke would be a warning to posterity to take heed of all rashness and irreverence in dealing about holy things, for God will be sanctified in those that come nigh unto him. 4. He lodged the ark in a good house, the house of Obed-Edom a Levite, which happened to be near the place where this disaster happened, and there, one. It was kindly entertained and welcomed, and continued there three months, verses 10 and 11. Obed-Edom knew what slaughter the ark had made among the Philistines that imprisoned it, and the Bethshemites that looked into it. He saw Uzzah struck dead for touching it, and perceived that David himself was afraid of meddling with it, yet he cheerfully invites it to his own house, and opens his doors to it without fear, knowing it was a savor of death unto death only to those that treated it ill. Oh the courage, says Bishop Hall, of an honest and faithful heart! Nothing can make God otherwise than amiable to his own people, even his very justice is lovely. 2. It paid well for its entertainment, the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The same hand that punished Uzzah's proud presumption rewarded Obed-Edom's humble boldness, and made the ark to him a savor of life unto life. Let none think the worse of the gospel for the judgments inflicted on those that reject it, but set in opposition to them the blessings it brings, brings to those that duly receive it. None ever had, nor ever shall have, reason to say that it is in vain to serve God. Let masters of families be encouraged to keep up religion in their families, and to serve God and the interests of his kingdom with their houses and estates, for that is the way to bring a blessing upon all they have. The ark is a guest which none shall lose by that bid it welcome. Josephus says that, whereas before Obed-Edom was poor, on a sudden, in these three months, his estate increased, to the envy of his neighbors. Piety is the best friend to prosperity. In wisdom's left hand are riches and honor. His household shared in the blessing. It is good living in a family that entertains the ark, for all about it will fare the better for it. Michael despises David, 1045 BC. 12 And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. 13 And it was so, that when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. 14 And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. 15 So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. 
16 And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael Saul's daughter looked through a window, and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. 17 And they brought in the ark of the Lord, and set it in his place, in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. 18 And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. 19 And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to every one a cake of bread, and a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed every one to his house. We have here the second attempt to bring the ark home to the city of David, and this succeeded, though the former miscarried. 1. It should seem the blessing with which the house of Obed-Edom was blessed for the ark's sake was a great inducement to David to bring it forward, for when that was told him, verse 12, he hastened to fetch it to him. 4. 1. It was an evidence that God was reconciled to them, and his anger was turned away. As David could read God's frowns upon them all in Uzzah's stroke, so he could read God's favor to them all in Obadidim's prosperity, and, if God be at peace with them, they can cheerfully go on with their design. 2. It was an evidence that the ark was not such a burdensome stone as it was taken to be, but, on the contrary, happy was the man that had it near him. Christ is indeed a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, to those that are disobedient, but to those who believe he is a cornerstone, elect, precious, 1 Peter 2 verses 6-8. When David heard that Obed-Edom had such joy of the ark, then he would have it in his own city. Note, the experience others have had of the gains of godliness should encourage us to be religious. Is the ark a blessing to others' houses? Let us bid it welcome to ours, we may have it, and the blessing of it, without fetching it from our neighbors. 2. Let us see how David managed the matter now. 1. He rectified the former error. He did not put the ark in a cart now, but ordered those whose business it was to carry it on their shoulders. This is implied here, verse 13, and expressed 1 Chronicles 15 verse 15. Then we make a good use of the judgments of God on ourselves and others when we are awakened by them to reform and amend whatever has been amiss. 2. At their first setting out he offered sacrifices to God, verse 13, by way of atonement for their former errors and in a thankful acknowledgement of the blessings bestowed on the house of Obed-Edom. Then we are likely to speed in our enterprises when we begin with God and give diligence to make our peace with Him, when we attend upon God in holy ordinances our I must be to the great sacrifice, to which we owe it that we are taken into covenant and communion with God, Psalm 50 verse 5. 3. He himself attended the solemnity with the highest expressions of joy that could be, verse 14 He danced before the Lord with all his might, he leaped for joy, as one transported with the occasion, and the more because of the disappointment he met with the last time. It is a pleasure to a good man to see his errors rectified in himself in the way of his duty. His dancing, I suppose, was not artificial, by any certain rule or measure, nor do we find that any danced with him but it was a natural expression of his great joy and exultation of mind. He did it with all his might, so we should perform all our religious services, as those that are intent upon them and desire to do them in the best manner. All our might is little enough to be employed in holy duties, the work deserves it all. On this occasion David laid aside his imperial purple and put on a plain linen ephod, which was light and convenient for dancing, 
and was used in religious exercises by those who were no priests, for Samuel War 1, 1 Samuel 2 verse 18. That great prince thought it no disparagement to him to appear in the habit of a minister to the ark. 4. All the people triumphed in this advancement of the ark, verse 15 they brought it up into the royal city with shouting, and with sound of trumpet, so expressing their own joy in loud acclamations, and giving notice to all about them to rejoice with them. The public and free administration of ordinances, not only under the protection, but under the smiles, of the civil powers, is just matter of rejoicing to any people. 5. The ark was safely brought to, and honorably deposited in, the place prepared for it, verse 17. They set it in the midst of the tabernacle, or tent, which David had pitched for it, not the tabernacle which Moses reared, for that was at Gibeon, 2 Chronicles 1 verse 13, and, we may suppose, being made of cloth, in so many hundred years it had gone to decay, and was not fit to be removed, but this was a tent set up on purpose to receive the ark. He would not bring it into a private house, no, not his own, lest it should seem to be too much engrossed, and people's resort to it, to pray before it, should be less free, yet he would not build a house for it, lest that should supersede the building of a more stately temple in due time, and therefore, for the present, he placed it within curtains, under a canopy, in imitation of Moses's tabernacle. As soon as ever it was lodged, he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, in thankfulness to God that the business was now done without any more errors or breaches, and in supplication to God for the continuance of his favor. Note, all our joys must be sanctified both with praises and prayers, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Now, it should seem, he penned the 132nd Psalm. 6. The people were then dismissed with great satisfaction. He sent them away, one. With a gracious prayer, he blessed them in the name of the Lord of hosts, verse 18, having not only a particular interest in heaven as a prophet, but in authority over them as a prince, for the less is blessed of the better, Hebrews 7 verse 7. He prayed to God to bless them, and particularly to reward them for the honor and respect they had now shown to his ark, assuring them they should be no losers by their journey, but the blessing of God upon their affairs at home would more than bear their charges. He testified his desire for their welfare by this prayer for them, and let them know they had a king that loved them. 2. With a generous treat, for so it was, rather than a distribution of alms. The great men, it is probable, he entertained at his own house, but to the multitude of Israel, men and women and children, says Josephus, he dealt to every one a cake of bread, a spice cake, so some, a good piece of flesh a handsome decent piece, so some, a part of the peace offerings, so Josephus, that they might feast with him upon the sacrifice and a flagon or bottle of wine, verse 19. Probably he ordered this provision to be made for them at their respective quarters, and this he did, one in token of his joy and gratitude to God. When the heart is enlarged in cheerfulness the hand should be opened in liberality. The Feast of Purim was observed with sending portions one to another, Esther 9 verse 22. As those to whom God is merciful ought to show mercy in forgiving, so those to whom God is bountiful ought to exercise bounty in giving. 2. To recommend himself to the people and confirm his interest in them, for every one is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Those that cared not for his prayers would love him for his generosity, and this would encourage them to attend him another time if he saw cause to call them together. David expostulates with Michael, 1045 BC. 20 Then David returned to bless his household.
And Michael the daughter of Saul came out to meet David, and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. 21 And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father, and before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel, therefore will I play before the Lord. 22 And I will yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in mine own sight, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honour. 23 Therefore Michael the daughter of Saul had no child unto the day of her death. David, having dismissed the congregation with a blessing, returned to bless his household, verse 20, that is, to pray with them and for them, and to offer up his family thanksgiving for this national mercy. Ministers must not think that their public performances will excuse them from their family worship, but when they have, with their instructions and prayers, blessed the solemn assemblies, they must return in the same manner to bless their households, for with them they are in a particular manner charged. David, though he had prophets and priests and Levites about him to be his chaplains, yet did not devolve the work upon them, but himself blessed his household. It is angels' work to worship God, and therefore surely that can be no disparagement to the greatest of men. Never did David return to his house with so much pleasure and satisfaction as he did now that he had got the ark into his neighborhood, and yet even this joyful day concluded with some uneasiness, occasioned by the pride and peevishness of his wife. Even the palaces of princes are not exempt from domestic troubles. David had pleased all the multitude of Israel, but Michael was not pleased with his dancing before the ark. For this, when he was at a distance, she scorned him, and when he came home she scolded him. She was not displeased at his generosity to the people, nor did she grudge the entertainment he gave them, but she thought he degraded himself too much in dancing before the ark. It was not her covetousness, but her pride, that made her fret. 1. When she saw David in the street dancing before the Lord she despised him in her heart, verse 16. She thought this mighty zeal of his for the ark of God, and the transport of joy he was in upon its coming home to him, was but a foolish thing, and unbecoming so great a soldier and statesman and monarch as he was. It would have been enough for him to encourage the devotion of others, but she looked upon it as a thing below him to appear so very devout himself. What a fool, thinks she, does my husband make of himself now? How fond is he of this ark, that might as well have lain still where it had lain for so many years? Much devotion has almost made him mad. Note, the exercises of religion appear very mean in the eyes of those that have little or no religion themselves. 2. When he came home in the very best disposition she began to upbraid him, and was so full of disdain and indignation that she could not contain till she had him in private, but went out to meet him with her reproaches. Observe. 1. How she taunted him, verse 20 How glorious was the king of Israel today! What a figure didst thou make today in the midst of the mob! How unbecoming thy post and character! Her contempt of him and his devotion began in the heart, but out of the abundance of that the mouth spoke. That which displeased her was his affection to the ark, which she wished he had no greater kindness for than she had, but she basely represents his conduct, in dancing before the ark, as lewd and immodest, and, while really she was displeased at it as a diminution to his honour, she pretended to dislike it as a reproach to his virtue, that he uncovered himself in the eyes of the maidservants, as no man would have done, but one of the vain fellows that cared not how much he shamed himself. We have no reason to think that this was true in fact. 
David, no doubt, observed decorum and governed his zeal with discretion. But it is common for those that reproach religion thus to put false colors upon it and lay it under the most odious characters. To have abused any man thus for his pious zeal would have been very profane, but to abuse her own husband thus, whom she ought to have reverenced, and one whose prudence and virtue were above the reach of malice itself to disparage, one who had shown such affection for her that he would not accept a crown unless he might have her restored to him, chapter 3 verse 13, was a most base and wicked thing, and showed her to have more of Saul's daughter in her than of David's wife or Jonathan's. Sister. 2. two how he replied to her reproach. He did not upbraid her with her treacherous departure from him to embrace the bosom of a stranger. He had forgiven that, and therefore had forgotten it, though, it may be, his own conscience, on this occasion, upbraided him with his folly in receiving her again, for that is said to pollute the land, Jeremiah 3 verse 1, but he justifies himself in what he did. 1. He designed thereby to honor God, verse 21 It was before the Lord, and with an eye to him. Whatever invidious construction she was pleased to put upon it, he had the testimony of his conscience for him that he sincerely aimed at the glory of God, for whom he thought he could never do enough. Here he reminds her indeed of the setting aside of her father's house, to make way for him to the throne, that she might not think herself the most proper judge of propriety, God chose me before thy father, and appointed me to be ruler over Israel, and now I am the fountain of honor and, if the expressions of a warm devotion to God were looked upon as mean and unfashionable in thy father's court, yet I will play before the Lord, and thereby bring them into reputation again. And, if this be to be vile, verse 22, I will be yet more vile. Note, 1. We should be afraid of censuring the devotion of others though it may not agree with our sentiments because, for aught that we know, the heart may be upright in it, and who are we that we should despise those whom God has accepted? Two. If we can approve ourselves to God in what we do in religion, and do it as before the Lord, we need not value the censures and reproaches of men. If we appear right in God's eyes, no matter how mean we appear in the eyes of the world. 3. The more we are vilified for well-doing the more resolute we should be in it, and hold our religion the faster, and bind it the closer to us, for the endeavors of Satan's agents to shake us and to shame us out of it. I will be yet more vile. 2. He designed thereby to humble himself, I will be base in my own sight, and will think nothing too mean to stoop to for the honor of God. In the throne of judgment and in the field of battle, none shall do more to support the grandeur and authority of a prince than David shall, but in acts of devotion he lays aside the thought of majesty, humbles himself to the dust before the Lord, joins in with the meanest services done in honor of the ark, and thinks all this no diminution to him. The greatest of men is less than the least of the ordinances of Jesus Christ. 3. He doubted not but even this would turn to his reputation among those whose reproach Michael pretended to fear, of the maidservants shall I be had in honor. The common people would be so far from thinking the worse of him for these pious condescensions that they would esteem and honor him so much the more. Those that are truly pious are sometimes manifested in the consciences even of those that speak ill of them. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. Let us never be driven from our duty by the fear of reproach, for to be steady and resolute in it will perhaps turn to our reputation more than we think it will. Piety will have its praise. Let us not then be indifferent in it, nor afraid or ashamed to own it. David was contented thus to justify himself, and did not any further animadvert upon Michael's insolence, 
but God punished her for it, writing her forever childless from this time forward. Verse 23. She unjustly reproached David for his devotion, and therefore God justly put her under the perpetual reproach of barrenness. Those that honor God he will honor, but those that despise him, and his servants and service, shall be lightly esteemed.